Welcome to Mentor Chat, our little space in podcast land to talk about the importance of mentoring and the impact strong, supportive relationships have on the lives of young people. Supporting young people. Sounds like a great idea and something we as adults can all get on board with, right? But providing nurturing support can be a little trickier than it sounds. Whether you're a mentoring provider, community organization, school teacher, parent or caregiver, or an adult looking for new ways to support the kiddos in your lives, we've got some great info for you, and we're glad you're here. Hello, and welcome back to Mentor Chat. This is Ashley, and we're excited that you're joining us again for more about mentoring. If you didn't catch our last episode, you should definitely go take a listen. We talked specifically to young people about how they can take the initiative to seek out mentoring opportunities and advocate for themselves. So you should go grab your young people and check it out. And for this episode, we actually have a very special guest joining us. Yes, Ashley, we have Colleen Fedor, the Executive Director of the Mentoring Partnership, and we are thrilled to have this one-on-one conversation with Colleen to learn about the years that she has been in leadership over the Mentoring Partnership. So without further ado, welcome, Colleen, to today's episode of Mentor Chat. Hello there. How are you today? We are doing great today. So happy to have you. We thought we'd kick us off having you explain more about your role and telling our listeners as an executive director, one, how long have you been the executive director of the Mentoring Partnership, but what that role entails. So as I reflect back, it's funny to think that I've been the executive director here for 21 years. I started on January one. 2000, the year that we thought there would be no water and that the uh, world would end and there'd Y2K. And it was my first job as an executive director. And I had really no idea what to expect. I mean, I think I did, but it's been a wonderful learning experience and it continues to be. I just remember those interviews with the mentoring partnership. I had many of them before the board made the decision to give me a chance. And then since that beginning, they've been there beside me, mentoring me, right? Teaching me how to be an executive director and how to manage a nonprofit organization. And um, we've been uh, pretty successful so far. And I know uh, through those years, you've been a great advocate of mentoring and you've shared your story a lot. Actually, in a past episode of Chat, when we had the roundtable, you talked a bit about your experiences with mentoring. But I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about what mentoring has meant to you over your life. You know, think about mentoring. I think about it in in a couple of ways. I think about it personally, where I really have benefited from many people over my life who have been there to challenge me and support me. And I can think back, none of them were a formal official mentor. In no case was I enrolled in a program, which is why I, I sort of didn't know what to expect around mentoring when I took this role. But I think about in high school when um, my high school physical education teacher gave me an opportunity to join them and, 
and learn how to teach swimming. And and to some people, it, it wasn't exciting and wouldn't have done it. I loved it. I got an opportunity to really learn new skills and work with lots of people and kids. And it was really, it was life-changing. It helped me decide my career path at the time. And then I think about my professional life, how I've taken uh, responsibilities. I've always been eager to be that person that was a helper. And I've had colleagues and and, uh, supervisors over the years who have really given me opportunities and challenged me and required a lot of me. But those were the things that helped me to grow. Um, I think about Fred Potts from the Sewickley YMCA, who was a gruff, wonderful nonprofit leader who used to say, oh, kiddo, let's just go home for today and come back in the morning and get it done, right? And for me, that meant 5 a.m. so that I could be the 5.30 a.m. lifeguard. Um, I think about the board of the mentoring partnership when they hired me. I hadn't really raised money. I hadn't managed a, a board of directors. And they took the time to teach me and challenge me and support me. And it, it really has made a difference in my life. And now I look at mentoring in a different light. I think about the kids around me and the kids in my neighborhood, in my schools, my own kids, and I see how the caring adults in their lives have impacted them and how it's helped me as as a person. It helped me as a parent. It helped me as a neighbor. So there's so many ways when you dig deeper and think about those caring adults who have made connections or built relationships with me that have supported me. You mentioned just a little bit why mentoring matters to you in your personal life. And I was thinking, you know, as you had mentioned, you've been with the mentoring partnership for 21 years. I personally didn't even know mentoring was a field before coming to the mentoring partnership. I believed in mentoring as obvious. You know, I think when we shared our stories that it had impacted us in one way or the other. But I personally didn't know that that mentoring itself was a field. So I was wondering, like two part question here. One, prior to coming to the mentoring partnership, did you recognize there was a feel like there's a movement behind it? And then the second part of that question is now that you've been with the mentoring partnership so long, why is this work important? You know, Michelle, that's the exact scenario that I faced when I looked at this position. I just remember thinking, what is this mentoring partnership and what type of work do you do to develop mentoring? And I I really had to research what the work would be and how could it continue, right? Was this a, a fad? Was it um, so a buzzword back? Uh, and it was in the 2000. And I worried that it would come and go and that it would not be seen as a, a lasting way to improve relationships and support children. And that really was my priority. So it was interesting to come to the mentoring partnership, start to meet all of these amazing providers who were connecting with kids and in so many different ways that I hadn't thought really were mentoring. And so like you, I only knew one mentoring program. And yet you could see as you started to talk with all of the other providers, how they were using strong relationships development as a way to help kids realize their own potential. And that's really the, I think, the crux. Back when I began, another thing that I thought was really 
forward thinking of the of our mentoring partnership, and I give this credit to my predecessor, Diana Bucco, we were very inclusive of who was mentoring children. It was a, an operational model that said, if you say you are mentoring, even if you aren't following the exact guidelines that the research at the time had said, you know, one hour a week, a minimum of 12 months a year, even if it wasn't exactly that, we want to support you and help you build relationships that are strong and valued and based on research on best practices. And so we've always really been that organization that said those moments matter. Those programs like at the library or out of school time programs or sports leagues, helping those adults and those families maximize those relationships, that was really very forward thinking on the part of the mentoring partnership. And honestly, in the early time in my leadership, amongst our national mentoring partnership peers, that wasn't necessarily something that they felt as strongly was correct. But we're blessed we could move forward as we saw was right. And now, 21 years later, we have an entire movement around everyday mentoring, and I feel like we're proud to be the leader of that work and fortunate that we have a whole base of activities that we've done for 21 years to support that work. I know that in the time that I've worked at the Mentoring Partnership, I've seen the results of that. A lot of our work is very focused on everyday mentors. And even in the podcast, like past episodes, we've talked about informal mentors and the everyday mentor. And it's such a big part of mentoring now. It's neat to hear you talk about how that was innovative and new and such a new thing. And now this is where we're at. During that time, have you seen any other really big changes or shifts in the field? You know, some things are very consistent. There are lots of kids who don't have the benefit of strong relationships outside maybe of their family. So there are, there's always a need for more mentors. There's always a need for more training. There's lots of capacity issues in the field at the mentoring provider's side where, you know, they're often understaffed, overworked, um, and struggling just to make it. Lots of turnover. So lots of things have been consistent. The biggest change, I would say, is that realization of the importance of people in kids' lives who aren't their formal mentors, but who can be mentor-like in those interactions. And then the other side of that, I will give credit to Sister Linda Yankee at Holy Family, who brought up the idea that kids are smart. Let's help teach them to identify the people in their life who they would like to be their mentor, who have, who could be mentor-like with them. And let's teach kids what to look for, who to look for, and how to ask them for that help. And that was a light bulb for me that really took us down a path of creating a training just to help young people take responsibility, identify their own goals, and give them the power or the knowledge to go forward and think about who's out there already in your life. And, you know, for many of us, there are people that are around us in our church, in our neighborhood, um, in our school, but we might never have really built a deeper relationship or a more consistent relationship with them. But just asking them, that's really very powerful. And we just need like almost that permission or that recommendation like, hey, why don't you try it? And then what you see is just amazing. 
Then conversely, though, you know, I was this prophet out there talking about natural relationships. And then all of a sudden, colleagues start jumping on on the bandwagon. And then I'm worried that would supersede formal mentoring, because ideally, formal mentors are what we want, right? A true commitment and relationship, not just everyday mentors. And so the balance of that is our newest, my newest struggle, like making sure people are being respectful and understanding formal mentoring is what we're really looking to grow for kids. I love that you shared that example, though, of everyday mentoring, right, in its intersection with formal mentoring, because it sounds like just the three of us that our inroads, if you will, to mentoring were through those natural relationships. And because that seemed to evolve based on the mission of the mentoring partnership, right, traditionally founded on the the importance of formal mentoring relationships that in not recognizing a piece that all brought us to the table would have done damage. So I think that is very interesting, like the shift to recognizing the importance of those natural mentoring relationships in conjunction with the formal mentoring relationships because it seems like a no-brainer because that's what brought us all to the table. I also love that you mentioned equipping young people to initiate those mentoring opportunities for themselves. Ashley and I chatted on a previous episode about how young people can do that. And for our listeners, if you missed that episode, we definitely invite you and your, your young people, whether they're your students or your kids, to go back and listen to that episode because in making that ask, sometimes it's scary, but believe it or not, there are adults ready and willing to help, but it's hard to do that if we don't know the goals of the young person, like how we can best be helpful. So I invite you to go back and listen. You make me think about also the role of a mentor, right? And so in so many cases, adults are saying, I'm not sure that I have anything to offer, right? And I remember, you know, I started this job. I figured out how to lead trainings and I'm out telling people, be a mentor and here's how you do it. But I had never been a formal mentor yet. And so when I signed up for my first formal mentoring, I just remember how nervous I was and thought, this kid's never going to want to be sitting with me. And what do I have in common with a sixth grader? And so, you know, I remember those first meetings with my first mentee patients, my first formal mentee. And first of all, I was generally running in late because I was leaving the office and trying to get there on time. And, you know, it took a while, just like the training taught me, and yet ended up being a six-year relationship. I signed on for one year. She signed on for one year. And year two, we both said, sure, why not? And then year three, we said, sure, why not? And we kept going. But I just remember that for a young person to ask an adult, I never would have had the strength to do that as a kid, nor would I have ever thought about it. But if my teachers in school or my youth minister brought up the idea of seeking out caring adults in your life who can help you meet your goals, and we did an activity around it, I probably would have, right? And that's really, I think, one of the values of that we're bringing 
to kids directly through some of our work. Yeah, I agree 100% because without training, I believe I was a great mentor in natural mentoring relationships, but they happened organically. I, I typically knew that young person or they knew me and the relationship kind of evolved into that natural mentoring relationship. But as I began formal mentorship, I was nervous. You know, you're matched. You're hoping that the information that's collected puts together a good match. You're like, okay, are we going to get along? Like what's going to happen here? So that's pretty scary when you're starting a new relationship you made a comment around i thought i was pretty good as a natural mentor right i learned so much about being a better listener and not a helper because of mentoring because of mentor training right you know as a parent i think i would have had more success sometimes with some things if i were less telling and more listening. If I were more mentor-like in the way that I approached things with my mentee, you know, my training taught me that I'm not here to fix anything. I'm here to listen, provide suggestions, help find ways for my mentee to reach her goals. I didn't see my role that way as a parent. And I think there are times when I look back that had I taken that approach, we may have landed in the same place, but we might not have landed there with obvious family discussions that were heated, right? So you just think about what I learned around youth development and just being a good listener and trusting that kids should and can make decisions too if we give them the right information. I learned a lot from that. Maybe too late. No, hopefully not. <laughs> I feel like I've definitely added a lot of tools to my parent toolkit as well. It's like, oh, if I could just listen or hear what's not being said, right? It would have made a world of difference in some of those challenges or struggles I come against at home being a parent. But I would imagine just over the course of the 21 years that you were the executive director that you've come against some awesome stories or seen some great mentoring relationships. Can you think of any like most memorable moments that you had in being in this role? So I, I've had so many wonderful opportunities that I don't know that I ever would have had if I hadn't been in this role. You know, I was thinking back, my very first experience here was we hosted a mentor symposium at the uh, Marriott City Center. Then Mayor of City of Pittsburgh, Tom Murphy, came to speak about his mentors. And he cried. He began, he got so emotional telling the story about the people who made a difference in his life. And I was so taken aback. And then the days were filled with that. It was really my first real introduction to mentoring providers and mentoring programs. So then we move forward, right? And I'm continuing to try to figure out how to lead mentor trainings. And we then decided to host the first magic of mentoring. And again, I had never put on a special event, a fundraiser. We were allowed to host it as the very first special event at Heinz Field. It had not even opened yet. And so a thousand people signed up to attend the first Magic of Venturing. And it was just overwhelmingly amazing to be standing in that giant room with our chairman, Dan Rooney and George Miles, and our full board standing there so proud of the work of mentoring and mentoring providers there with us as our partners, 
telling the story of the work, it was very, very inspirational. And it drove me to want to be so much more successful, like keep working. There's so much work to be done. There are a thousand kids on waiting lists. You have to fix this, Colleen, right? And then, you know, you move forward. There's so many other examples. The launch of the Be a Middle School Mentor Program, that happened in a room, full table of about 20 community leaders, our chiefs of police from the county and the city, Pittsburgh Public School Superintendent, and I remember Elsie Hillman and the other foundation people there. It was this impressive group of community leaders who said, how do we get in front of youth? We want to be a youth crime prevention. What are the strategies we want to employ? Mentoring was the strategy. That was just so affirming of the work to be done. And we very successfully launched the Be a Middle School Mentor program thanks to their leadership. Thanks to Superintendent Mark Roosevelt at the time. Thanks to the United Way taking the lead and allowing us to be the technical assistance and support so that the six programs that started that could do that well. It was incredible to see our work around a collective effort, multiple mentoring providers, all with the same goal to make sure that sixth graders in the city of Pittsburgh didn't fall off the cliff, as Mark Roosevelt talked about. He said sixth grade was the place where if they weren't connected, we really saw a huge decrease in their attendance and school performance. So how do we impact that? And then over the years, you know, developing the Everyday Mentor, which we talked about here, and then just when you meet mentors and mentees and you watch their interactions, it's just so cool to just see those relationships. They're just cool, right? I'm in awe of those relationships. I'm really grateful to the mentors who took a chance, who got out of their comfort zone sometimes, who said, I really think I have something to offer and I want to learn with someone else that I don't know or don't normally interact with and I'm going to commit. And whether you have a lot of time or little time, it is a commitment, right? And so we at the Mentoring Partnership, as you know, have done an awesome job of helping people really see like don't come in here willy-nilly. If you're in, you're in and that means you get trained and you know what's expected of you, and we want you to be successful, and we will help you be successful. And those stories over the years, people who return year after year, people who take on two mentees, kids who say, I benefited from mentoring, I want to be a mentor whenever I'm able, developing peer mentor programs so that those kids can engage. There are a lot of people who don't get to go to work every day and feel like they made a difference. I feel like I'm allowed to go to work every day and I get to make a difference. And that's just really very powerful to me. That's a motivator that I really appreciate. You've brought up a lot of meaningful events in the mentoring field and a lot of things that you've seen and just shifts that you've seen. What do you think the mentoring field needs? Because still every young person who wants a mentor doesn't have one. So what do we need to do to make that happen? What a great question, Ashley. I wish I had this magic wand to just make that happen. We're 
trying to approach it in segments, right? Thinking about every aspect of a kid's life and in what ways in this piece of their day, their school day, for example, can we make sure that there's mentoring in there that supports them and helps them be successful in their school academic work, right? And then what if we look at their workforce development? When they get to their first job or their internship, how do we make sure that there's mentoring there to help them grow their capacity, right? And reach their potential in their out of school time, in sports, in in the neighborhood, right? So if we think about that 360 degrees of mentoring, that's really the ideal, that kids are surrounded by caring adults who are there to help them and help support them. How do we grow it? You know, raising awareness is always the beginning. Helping people see their role, their potential role in mentoring, whether that be formal or natural mentors or everyday mentoring, but helping our community and everybody in it, the companies, the individuals, the schools, see their role is making sure that there's this mentor blanket, right? This mentor screen that you run things under first to make sure that kids are cared for. To me, I think we are on the right path of the two prongs, reaching out to caring adults and getting them to find their place in this in this work. And then also driving young people to think about their role in owning the potential of mentoring in their life. And then if we can do both of those at the same time, I think we'll have so much more success. You know, in the early years, we would do mentor recruitment events at the waterfront and and we'd stand outside and talk to anyone walking around or at Oxford Center. And those would generate, you know, 20 new mentors which is a drop in the bucket to the thousand that you need, right? We do billboard campaigns and radio interviews and television interviews. And again, 15, 20 new mentors. It takes a much larger effort and a complete effort, not just the mentoring partnership telling this story, not just the 150 local mentoring programs out recruiting for their programs, but instead that overarching expectation that in our region, our kids are cared for, and they know they have those adults that surround them to build relationships and help them. And I'm I'm really hopeful that that's going to happen. I know I've seen just in the short time that I've been in the field, and also hearing you talk, seeing the progress that's been made and the work that we've been doing at the Mentoring Partnership and that I've seen all around the country, people have put in a lot and they really care. And so I know hearing that, like, I'm really hopeful that we can make that happen and we can surround kids with this 360 degrees of mentoring. And that's, that's really exciting to look forward to and hope for. It's a lot of work, but that could be a really incredible thing. Do you have any hopes for the future of mentoring beyond that? So in our market, in the Pittsburgh and Allegheny County and Western Pennsylvania region, I'd really like to see incredible growth in areas like in schools. I think that that's, you know, the first line of service. Kids are in school, well, or at home, but still connected with schools. And there's so much potential there. They're surrounded by adults who are in that work because they care about kids. And so if we can really make inroads in every school district in our region so that there is that belief that mentoring is going to help them reach their goals and help kids reach their goals. That would be my first hope. Workplace, young people go to work. Our region 
will only be successful if we continue to develop a pipeline of great employees. And so helping employers see the potential and use mentor-like skills and tools to help their new employees or their interns succeed and thus help their company succeed. You know, I had the chance to visit the city of Toronto and they had a Toronto's Children's Pledge, right? It was, and that might not have been called that, but it was expectation in Toronto government that every decision they made, they had to run it past a screen of how does it affect the children? How are kids affected by this decision? And I was so impressed with that and thought, that's what I want. How in this job that we're doing, in this task that we're working on, how will it affect kids? How will we help engage young people in this conversation? How will we help them be a part of this decision or in, of this success in our community? I live in Munhall. We have a wonderful little town. How are kids valued every single day in my neighborhood? We got a great Main Street with kids on it all the time. Are they feeling valued? Do they feel like they're a part of this community? Do they feel like they have a role in the success of Munhall, right? Or of McKeesport or Clariton or Fox Chapel? How are we making sure that our kids realize their value and contribute? But I think the hope shows that mentoring is so powerful, but there's so much room to make sure, you know, the stats show that one in three young people grow up without a mentor. And I think right now in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of chaos, in the political climate, in the middle of social unrest, for me personally, this is where my hope is. We still see day in and day out the power of human connection. We still have a long way to go too in helping to ensure that everyone who wants a mentor gets a mentor. So excited to see where the, the mentoring field goes in the next 10 years, 20 years, especially given the pandemic and how that has changed the way we connect, right? Um, one of the ways I think we highlight that hope, and you had mentioned it already, it was the magic of mentoring. So for, for listeners who don't know what that is, it's our fundraising event that we have every other year. But in addition to it being the fundraising event, it really is, and I'd hate to sound like corny, but magical. It's a time to celebrate individuals and programs that are helping to close the mentoring gap. It's a time to, to raise awareness about all the great work that's happening in our region, as well as fundraising. You know, research shows that in order for a program to support a mentoring match, it's about $1,200 to $1,600. The higher range is just depending on the needs of the young people, but that's pretty costly to manage a mentor-mentee match. So the resources are critical, right? None of this work happens without resources. So that event is important on so many different fronts. And Colleen, you'll be happy to hear that. Actually, I was talking to my mom yesterday and she's like, I can't wait to come to your gala. And I was like, that's this year, but I'm not sure what the gala is going to look like this year. She said, I had so much fun at the gala. And that's the thing that I think is magical about the magic of mentoring, that you're looking forward to the next opportunity to come back and celebrate this work. So that's one of the events, you know, that happened throughout the course of the work. And I was just wondering if you had any other events that were your favorite. 
Well, so each year we get to go to the National Mentoring Summit in uh, last week of January in D.C., although this year it will be virtual. We'll still be at home. But, you know, over the years you get to go and there are thousands of people from around the world, not just the country, there to talk about mentoring. You know, talk about talking with the choir. We're all just walking around, learning from each other and so excited. And you come back home and you're like, man, here's something I learned in in this session. Here's something I learned here. And you meet really wonderful people who are doing great work and you get new ideas. So that that's one of them. But in joining that day, we usually kick it off with Capitol Hill Day, which, you know, uh, it was a great experience for me. I had never been to any of my elected officials' offices or in those amazing buildings through tunnels in the basements to get to the other buildings. I felt so very special. And you got to see Washington in action. That was just, that was eye-opening and I learned a lot. And we ran back and forth across Pennsylvania Avenue trying to figure out where offices were. But we got to talk about our work and hear from the elected officials side how mentoring impacted them. And we're just preparing for this year's January 27th. We have about 50 people from the state of Pennsylvania who are signed up to attend our meetings with various elected officials. So that will be an amazing event. You know, I think about we've had the chance to present at those conferences numerous times on lots of different topics and to share what we have learned and learn from others. Those are opportunities that we're kind of missing right now. But, you know, those days will come back. It's funny, the magic of mentoring is in the fall. And we're grateful that it wasn't to be scheduled last year because it would have had to be virtual. And we're hopeful I was just on a very large special event, uh, about 500 people, and there were a couple times that people were talking about, we're looking forward to getting back together with people. That first event is going to be special. And I kept hoping, let it be ours. (laughs) Come to our event. We are right now working on multiple scenarios, but it is truly our hope that the magic of mentoring happens as it has before, where it, and, and it is seen as the event to attend. And again, we lucked out on that very first one with Mr. Rooney and George Miles. And I remember Nancy Zapala's leadership to help that make that happen. And it was really spectacular. And it set us up correctly. And we are hopeful. And then looking forward, some things have happened in our county. Allegheny County is establishing a new office to support kids and bring together all of the amazing organizations and help us be more comprehensive around our collective work for children around early childhood experiences, out of school time, um, literacy, all of that. And that office is just now staffing up and that Rich Fitzgerald was willing to allow us to do a listening tour and learn what county residents wanted and then move forward with that. That's very exciting. And how mentoring feeds into all of that work will be important. And we will make sure that we work closely with that office. So there are things happening that are exciting um, as we come into the new year. So the potential of where mentoring can go is endless. And that's something that is exciting and gives you a bright look to the future. The role of mentoring as not only a one-on-one, one hour a week, 12 months a year, has really grown the opportunity 
for it to have much greater impact than it ever has. And that's what I think is most exciting to me and to the field. Stay inspired. Stay inspired. Stay inspired. And for this week's Stay Inspired, Michelle, I know that you have one last question for Colleen. Colleen, we are so grateful that you sat down and and chatted with us. I really just have one last question for you because Ashley and I talked a lot during previous episodes about why is mentoring important and why should people volunteer and what are some of the reasons that people hesitate to volunteer. Of course we want to close that mentoring gap and we want people to feel empowered to volunteer and become a mentor. But there are other ways, right, to get involved. So as we wrap up today, could you share some of those other ways that if people just can't dedicate that time right now or or for whatever reason can't mentor and they want to kind of get involved and give to the cause, what are other ways they can do that? So I think about, you know, just the little things. Send a note to a kid. Smile. Share your knowledge. You can volunteer for very short-term opportunities. The uh, consortium who does video interviews with different professions and people talk about their work and share that experience with young people over video. That would be maybe an hour of your work, right? And yet you could help a young person who never met an engineer or a graphic designer or whatever your role is. But thinking about what you have to offer or Um, who you regularly interact with, or who might benefit just having someone have some kind words with them and listening, right? Those are simple. We all have that potential to be a good listener, to engage and support someone just by being present. There's a whole lot of work around the importance of relationships in all stages of our life. And as a person, you benefit by having those relationships, right? By having people who are looking out for you, who are thinking about you. And so I just, I challenge every one of us. We don't have to do big things, all of us. We have to do something. And that something could be as simple as a kind word, a phone call, a text, a note, a volunteer activity that's just short term. And then maybe you want to do more. Well, um, thanks, Colleen, for joining us. It was really great to chat with you. I know that I got a lot out of this chat, too, just hearing about the experiences you've had in the mentoring field and how far it's come. And I know you've been a great leader at the mentoring partnership. I think we've really thrived under your leadership and done a lot of great work with you in that role. What the mentoring partnership has done, youth are going to see this impact their lives in a lot of ways. Some that we're probably never going to be able to see, but we know that they exist and we know that it's happening. So thanks for taking time to talk with us about what you do and some of your thoughts around mentoring. And yeah, we'll see you in the next staff meeting, I guess. It's been such a pleasure. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks, Colleen. Ashley, it was so great to learn some of that information from interviewing Colleen. I thought it was interesting how over 20 plus years of being in leadership at the Mentoring Partnership, all the many things that she has seen, it was wonderful to just hear about her journey. I think one of the biggest things that stood out for me, and I'd love to know what that might have been for you, was that her journey into her role at the Mentoring Partnership really was that of mentorship 
mentorship. I can recall her saying that she wasn't sure what to expect when becoming the executive director, but the board took her under the wing and helped her, you know, with those fundraising efforts, etc. And I thought, wow, how about that full circle, right? Joining the mentoring partnership to help make sure that young people have access to quality mentoring opportunities and that more young people can be supported through mentorship and that same thing was modeled for her by the board of directors. So that was one of the things that stood out to me. How about you? Yeah, I thought it was really interesting to hear about how mentoring has evolved in the years. Day in, day out when we're doing our work, we don't see those changes. And sometimes they happen in like small increments. So specifically when she talked about the evolution of everyday mentoring and about how it was a new term then and they were just coming up with it and people were revolutionizing the way that we thought about mentors and who we considered to be mentors. Then you look at today and that's such a big thing in the field. People are talking about it in so many different places and it's a huge component. To be able to look back and see that large trend over time and like see how far it's come. I thought that was very interesting and gave a lot of perspective. Yeah, I agree. And I think that was a great way to wrap up our first season of Mentor Chat because in this season, we talked about why mentoring, what impacts did it have on on you and I? We shared our personal stories. We were able to sit down and talk to the staff and hear their personal stories. And I thought that interview with Colleen really did wrap it up just to look at, wow, in 20 plus years, here's how mentoring has evolved during her time, how she's seen it impact these mentoring relationships in our region and how the work that we do helps support programs and build capacity to provide these quality mentoring opportunities. As we continue our podcast, as we continue the chat around mentoring, there's a lot of things that we could take a deeper dive into. Some of the things that we began to talk about and that really did address why why mentoring. And I'm thrilled about having those ongoing conversations with you and inviting other guests. So it was so much fun to chat with you during the past five episodes. Yeah, I, I agree. I had a great time. I think my particular favorites were the ones where we got to talk to the staff and Colleen. So I'm really looking forward to bringing some people, maybe even some of our programs in. And I also think that people listening, if they have any ideas or things that they really want to know about, then maybe they should pass it along and they might hear something pop up in season two. Thanks for joining us on Mentor Chat. You can check out the show notes where we provide additional resources, links, and other information related to this episode's discussion on our website, mentoringpittsburgh.org. There, you can also learn more about mentoring, download free resources, and sign up for our weekly everyday mentoring tips. Have a topic you'd love to see us cover down the road? Email us at info at mentoringpittsburgh.org. Last but not least, thank you to the many caring adults making a mentoring difference in the lives of young people. You are essential. Take care and talk soon.